Welcome to Season 2 of the Mindful Literacy Podcast with your host, Dr. Jessica Bennett. Our mission is to provide one-on-one and small group literacy tutoring to children with dyslexia or who are at risk for reading failure. One of the driving forces behind creating Mindful Literacy Columbus was a social justice focus. We want to make needed education services accessible to all. The board is in the process of researching social determinants of health, such as family income, access to community-based resources, social support, language and literacy, and access to information. It is our vision to create a center where children can have access to high-quality tutoring, irrespective of family income. In our mind's eye, this center would also be a place where adults can study our written language together and where parents can find support. Listener support is paramount to how much we are able to support kids in our community. Thank you so much for your support. Here are three ways you can get involved with Mindful Literacy Columbus. You can share this podcast and you can like and follow Mindful Literacy Columbus on Facebook and Instagram. Pause this podcast right now and go like and follow before you forget. Our Facebook is mindful.literacy.columbus. Our Instagram is mindful.literacy.cbus. Make sure to share posts to your feed and tag your friends. You can also volunteer. There are four opportunities to volunteer with Mindful Literacy Columbus. Even if you don't live in Columbus, first, you could join the Grant Writers Guild. Writers are needed. Second, you can join our summer camp in August. Counselors are needed. Third, we need volunteers for our first annual conference for kids and grown-ups. Even coordinators are needed. This event will be held in August. Finally, you can volunteer to be a mentor and editor for Beehive Press. We especially need high school and college-age volunteers who enjoy studying English or graphic design. If you would like more information about volunteering, please send us a message on Facebook or Instagram. You can also email our Director of Impact at Megan, that is M-E-G-H-A-N, at mindfulliteracypractice.org. Thanks again for your support. And we hope you enjoy this episode of the Mindful Literacy Podcast. Constance Barrow is co-founder and chief executive officer of Mastery Portfolio, a seed stage educational technology company with a mission to reimagine grading and reporting in a way that motivates and supports students and educators. Constance and her co-founders are in the process of launching their first app, themasterybook.com, as the tool on the ground for teachers to implement a standards-based or mastery-based grading paradigm. Constance also founded and operates tutoring company Ivy Tutor Connection, which specializes in serving students with unique academic profiles through a holistic, whole-child approach. Constance is a veteran educator having earned a BA from Yale University and a master's in the science of education and secondary mathematics from City University of New York. 
Constance began her full-time teaching career in New York City as a Teach for America Corps member and served for 10 years in New York City public schools before relocating to Columbus, where she most recently served as mathematics department chair and instructional coach at Columbus School for Girls, her alma mater. Enjoy this episode with Constance Barrow. Welcome, Constance, to the Mindful Literacy Podcast. Thanks, Jessica. It's great to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited. We finally got to connect. I feel like so many people in our community kept, I kept hearing your name. Do you know Constance? Do you know Constance? And I, I'm so glad we finally connected and started collaborating together. Yeah, same over here. It, it seems like we're like-minded in a lot of ways, and I'm, I'm excited to dig in and, and discuss. Yeah. And one of the interesting things is from the beginning, when we talk about mindful literacy, it's not really just about reading and writing, but we talk about the different literacies that you have as a human. And your area of specialty is mathematics. And so you, I would love love to hear about one, the work you do with teaching kids math and also your professional development that you offer teachers and your standard-based gradings app. And also, before we even get into the nitty-gritty of that, I want our audience to hear about your journey as a teacher when you started off with Teach for America. Yeah, absolutely. So it's been, oh gosh, you lose track of the years at some point, probably 13 or 14 years that I've been teaching full-time at this point. And I started off in the South Bronx through Teach for America, the cohort of really supportive teachers who wanted to help fill the teaching need in schools that were under-resourced and just, you know, have an impact and learn more about the communities that live alongside us in a big metropolis like New York. And so I benefited from having a lot of awesome mentors early on. You know, when you land in a high-need school and you have a degree from a place like Yale, they ask you to teach whatever needs to be taught that hasn't been picked up yet. So I taught eighth grade reading, seventh grade math. At some point down the line, I taught health and science for a couple of years at my next school. So I, I sort of segued from Urban Science Academy, which is a small district public middle school, to Coney Island Prep, which is a highly successful charter school that's about 10 years, maybe 11 years old at this point. They've graduated the, their first few classes already. And then I went to the Young Women's Leadership School of Brooklyn, which is a public district school, but it's all girls. And I have, I'm a product of all girls education myself. So that kind of has a special place in my heart, just making sure that women know their power and, and feel empowered to participate fully in society and to develop all of their gifts and talents. After that, I found myself living in a one bedroom apartment in Brooklyn with my husband and my two young kids. And it was time to say goodbye to New York temporarily and come out to Columbus, Ohio. And so I started working as the math specialist at Columbus School for Girls. And I found that while the independent school setting was very different in a lot of ways, there were certain threads that were uniform across you know, the four schools that I taught at up to that point. And some of those were you know, what motivates students to do their best work and really be active participants in their education rather than sort of you know, sit back and let their education happen to them. And I found a standards-based approach to grading and feedback really was that driver that helps students have actionable next steps. We can get into that later, but sort of regardless of context and community, that was really a powerful teaching practice that I used at every school that I taught at. In terms of math education, 
I have a secondary education master's degree in mathematics education. And I pretty quickly got into teacher professional development as a third year teacher. I started working for Breakthrough New York over the summers, coaching their summer intern teachers for their enrichment summer program that they provide for students teaching, you know, novice teachers who've never been in the classroom before how to teach mathematics in a way that's engaging for kids and builds their confidence and builds their skill. And then I segued from there into providing professional development workshops through Math for America, which is a fabulous professional development organization. You know, we really need a a Math for America out here in Columbus. Um, In my opinion, I, I really love their model, which is that they find all the best teaching talent and and bring them all together and allow the teachers to provide professional development workshops to each other that they can opt in to do so. And so that's really, I love that model that the knowledge is in the room. We don't need to, you know, bring these teachers together and teach them stuff. They know all the best practices and can teach it to each other, uh, which is really leadership and, and best teaching practice at the end of the day. And so using that experience working with teachers and seeing the reward and kind of the aha moments with adults in that fabulous way that we all feel it with our students really motivated me to take on the challenge at Columbus School for Girls of being the lower school math specialist, where I coached the 10 elementary school teachers that we have over there in the lower school to not only identify as excellent homeroom teachers in all the subjects that they're charged to teach, but also to identify as math teachers. Sometimes when we go into elementary education, we do it for our love of children, not necessarily for our love of a subject, right? If that were the case, then we'd probably teach specialized at the middle or high school level in that subject. Sometimes, you know, I think elementary school teachers benefit a lot from really positive professional development experiences in mathematics, and they start to make some of those connections that we want our students to make, and then they can provide that experience for our students. So, you know, the coming to the present day, the pandemic is, has sort of thrown everything into contrast, you know, sort of like a stark contrast of what are we doing that's working? What are we doing that's not? And so, for example, I, in my personal life, I realized that the hours, you know, the, the many hours I was spending in the classroom, plus the tutoring that I, you know, that I've been doing to sort of provide my expertise to other members of the community and, you know, professional development and volunteering and all the things for me was too much. So when my kids went to a hybrid schooling model, I made the decision to stay home from my full-time classroom teaching job. And that's really allowed me more time with my family and more time to develop my tutoring practice, including uh, coaching, you know, teacher coaching and professional development, and also my new startup company, which is a software company called Mastery Portfolio. Inaugural app is that standards-based grade book that I wished I'd had when I was in the classroom, complete with custom reports and everything's customizable to the context of a school. So that's sort of our value add. And so our first app is called the Mastery Book. It's free for any teacher or parent to use. And we're just really excited to be able to provide that tool to, to help do the work. Ooh, that was awesome. I have so many questions for you. I want to start off with the mastery book because I think our district went to standards-based grading a couple of years ago. And I know just from living through that process and that transition, it was, it kind of threw everyone for a loop. And I am so excited to check out mastery book. Even as an intervention specialist, so many parents would 
would come to me with questions about the standard-based grading because they were so used to having a really, not only a quantitative, but also a qualitative handle on where their students' individualized goals were progressing. And so I think they it was almost like we, if you have been living in the special ed world as a parent or as a teacher, you were kind of like, oh, great, this will be wonderful because now we'll know where the child is in the continuum for that grade band. And I think it was probably just a little bit harder to implement without having tools or training that get down to the nitty gritty of how do you collect data as a classroom teacher in a way that captures that moment in time for that particular strand or standard. Yeah, absolutely. As teachers use the mastery book, we're getting a lot of positive feedback. One of our pieces of feedback is exactly what you said that, you know, when I'm in the middle of the classroom, I'm not going to, you know, log into my online grade book and set up a new assignment and do all these steps just to enter this moment in time, students mastery data, you know. Sally gets multiplication now. She can multiply two by two digit numbers. Check. If it could just be fast and I could do it on the fly, then I would I would do that. But my system doesn't allow me to do that so quickly. So we invented a feature called on the fly assignments where all you have to do is click a kid's name, your standards pop up, you click the standard and you give that mastery rating, you know, master developing, whatever it is. So within three clicks, you have a score entered in the grade book. And one important feature of mastery learning is that you're always looking at a student's current mastery at this moment in time. So a student is never dinged for not having understood multiplication previously, because the whole point of learning is that it's a a process and you want to get to that end objective, um, which is to master the skill. But if you don't master it right away and you need practice, that's normal. That's how humans' brains work. So every data report or piece of feedback you can get out of the mastery book when you're reflecting on your teaching and where you need to go next is always pulling data from that most current date whenever whenever that standard was last assessed. So students, you know, we get in trouble when we average things because I, as a person, am not today an average of who I've been my whole life. I am who I am today. So we need to look at where where students are at this point in time and coach them forward. And so points and averages distract from that work, we find. Yeah, totally. And I think it was a really hard mindset shift for everyone to wrap their head around. And what I observed people doing was converting, you know, the average mindset to the mastery level, the standards-based grading. And it was almost like, well, then what's the point if we're just saying, if you're still taking an average and giving a grade level in your head, but then calling it something else, (laughs) it's still not quite the concept we're going for. Yeah, absolutely. So I've, um, just to add on to that, I've used other standards-based grade books at other schools in the past, and I found the same thing you found, which is that at the end of the day, it is boiling everything down to a final grade that's an average and really a misuse of mathematics. So as a math person, you know, this really bothered me. But one thing I would tell your teachers who, who were finding themselves struggling to sort of make that leap to a pure standards-based scheme and and sort of want to hold on to something of of their traditional grading experience is I would say, just ask yourself, are your grades feedback or compensation? Our company, which is called Mastery Portfolio, we say that grades should be feedback, not compensation. We develop talent. We don't select it. 
So grading should not be a ranking or a sorting or a labeling of children, right? And, and no one would ever admit to doing that. But when you hold on to your averages so sort of desperately, what is the purpose of that? Is it to see who is ranking at the top? Or is it to give the students actionable feedback so that they can all achieve 100% mastery? Yeah, and, and, so, and part of it is I think, well, and this could be applied to almost well, to many areas of education, but I think another pertinent question is, are we doing it this way because that's the way we've always done it and that's the way we were treated as students, you know? It's so ingrained in us. What's your GPA, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I wonder how this, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to agree with you and say that a lot of us who go into teaching had positive experiences in school, and so the traditional system may have worked for us. So I, I always wonder, is it a self-selecting group that even goes into teaching in the first place? The teachers tend to be risk adverse or less likely to, you know, I, I know teachers are inventive because I've seen incredible ingenuity in classrooms getting students to learn. But I do wonder, like, is it harder? You know, if you have a now that I'm in the startup space, you know, I talk to people about this and. A lot of entrepreneurs actually say, yeah, I was a C student and I was basically told I was never going to make anything of myself, but now I have this multi-million dollar company and my ideas work and the education system never saw that in me. So what is wrong with that system? And so it's sort of curious to me to you know, think about what our own experiences have been in the education system as students and how that might be factoring into the way in which we engage with our students today or raise our children or engage with our colleagues. I mean, all, all of that, right. It has generational kind of effect. You know, the trickle down is interesting to watch, I think. Yeah, definitely. Especially in this day and age, when we talk so much about having a growth mindset, I feel like standard-based grading allows us to teach kids to endure the process of learning and that it's not a means to an end, but it's an, on a continuum. <laughs> yeah, there's an interesting movement happening at the university level called, spearheaded by the Mastery Transcript Consortium, which is attempting to revolutionize the college transcript from a list of classes and grades to a, more of a 3D profile or portfolio of a student's work, mastery credits that the student has earned. So our app also doubles as the on-the-ground tool that teachers can use to populate that kind of an innovative transcript so that colleges really know, you know where they fall in the ranking of the number. So I think that's when you say it's not just a means to an end, you know, that makes me think if college admissions is, is the end goal of our education system somehow, which I think some people would argue, others would argue against. But, you know, if that's a reality for students, we, we have to see that mission all the way through. There has to be a, an emphasis on mastery all the way to the top. There's sort of a larger movement going on, working to sort of disrupt this this traditional grading scheme that that does cause a lot of anxiety and difficulty for students to see themselves as successful. This episode is brought to you by Mindful Literacy Practice. Mindful Literacy Practice is the sister company to Mindful Literacy Columbus. We are a private tutoring and professional development company whose mission is to build a strong learning community that cultivates literacy and mindfulness practices with children, their families, and their teachers. 
Frequent and consistent tutoring is the key to fluency growth, no matter where your child is on the learning continuum, from special education to gifted education and everywhere in between. All elementary kids need to practice oral reading fluency and math facts. Mindful Literacy Practice offers affordable, high-quality, evidence-based methodology combined with precision teaching data tracking in both reading and math. For just 10 minutes a session, three to five days a week, it is not uncommon for us to see fluency rates double in the course of 10 to 12 weeks. Want to improve the speed in which your child can read and or do math facts? Mindful Literacy Fluency Programs. Improve what you measure. Practice, measure, improve, repeat. Listeners of this podcast can use code FLUENCY50 for their first registration. MindfulLiteracyPractice.org forward slash fluency forward slash. And actually, I was going to ask how this notion of standards-based grading has been translating to college entrance, the college entrance process, because that was one question that came up in our community. How are they supposed to get into college if there's no GPA? So it's actually creating this whole cultural shift across the board, K through college. Yeah, I think it's a bit of a simplification to say that you can't have a GPA with a standards-based grading scheme. You can. The only difference is that because with standards-based grading, you're not averaging, you're reporting a student's current mastery by the end of the term. A student will never have to dig themselves out of getting a 50 on a test in September as long as they can retest by December, same skills, perhaps different questions, and show that they thoroughly understand that material. Then that 50 goes away. It doesn't factor into anything anymore because it's not their current mastery, and they would have the 90 or the 100 or whatever their level of current mastery is on the more recent assessment. So in that way, students have control over their grades because if they see, oh, these three standards I haven't mastered yet, there are, you know, 20 standards in the term. So now I, you know, that's 85% of all standards that I've mastered. But if I go and relearn these three and reassess on them, then I can have 100% mastery for the term. So it gives students direct autonomy to really, based on how hard they work and how much they're willing to learn, to have control over their grades rather than their grades happening to them. If you use a mastery ratio as your final grade, in other words, you know, a percentage of the number of standards that the student has mastered compared to the total number of standards that have been taught. Yeah, that makes sense. I think part of this is the amount of training that needs to happen at and how to effectively use a standard-based grading system. I mean, you're now I'm like, ooh, tell me about tell me about this ratio, you know? I don't think we've ever talked about that. And I need and that seems to be like a really critical piece. Yes. In the development of our company mastery portfolio, we every so often we have a light bulb go off of like, you know, how are we talking about this app? Because I think people think it's one thing, but really it, it's so much more powerful than that. So our new mantra right now is it's not a grade book. It's a guide book because truly by using the app, you start to see how the mathematics of, you know, the final grade can be so much simpler and so much more meaningful by using a mastery ratio, for example, the mastery ratio, you know, there is a description of it and and what it means um, when you go to generate your reports and you can just click that you either want that on your report cards or you don't, you can click that you want a growth chart on there or you don't. Every feature uh, that could be on a report card that you might generate for kids and families, you know, you can opt in and out of any of those features. So in that way, it's very customizable and you can sort of paint the picture 
you know, with this one beautiful, colorful report to motivate families and, and students to really jump in and say, oh, I can change these. You know, some some schools use yellow or red as things that are not yet stained, you know, mastered. I can change this red to a green. I just have to make an appointment with my teacher and relearn it or watch this video on Khan Academy and see if I can figure it out for myself, right? So some of this is, you know how to ask the questions and, and use the resources at your disposal to learn new things. I mean, when we go into the workplace, no one's going to sit us down and teach us how to do our job. We might have to Google some things and figure out what the best practices are. And just asking those questions is, is good for students to learn to do. And when you tell them what skill they need to work on, they can go and type that into any number of education platforms that might be able to give them some content to learn that material. So it's all about putting the, you know, putting the student in the driver's seat and, and guiding them to improve their own learning and mastery rather than sort of us being, the, you know, as the teachers being the purveyors of knowledge and sort of, you know, we don't want students to feel, feel like they are vessels to be filled, right? We want them to to feel like they can be the ones directing their own learning and making those decisions with the feedback that we give them. Yeah, and that right there is just so powerful. It is really critical. And really the teacher is letting the standards kind of, you're just sort of providing a roadmap and then letting the, letting the student have their journey, have their learning journey. And the thing, what you said, like, do you know, how to use your resources and ask the right questions. That to me is the main goal of education. It's not all of the stuff. It's not all of the, I mean, of course we want to teach the kids the content, but they, we need to teach them how to be really good thinkers and problem solvers. And so it sounds like just using that as a philosophy, do you know how to use your resources and ask the right questions? That can be applied to any content area, to any strand. And if that's the main theme, then we're teaching them to have growth mindset and be flexible thinkers and to be autonomous. Like, Absolutely. Great. Mission accomplished. <laughs> yeah. And, and we're preparing them for the real world. I mean, I was mm -hmm. talking to a friend of mine who I've known since high school about her new role, you know, a big consulting firm out in San Francisco, and she works with the new recruits. So the kids fresh out of college who, you know, are going into consulting for the first time and, and excited, but also want to make sure that they're pleasing their bosses and, and checking all the boxes and, and going, going to be able to participate in career advancement and, and get lots of training and things like that. Um, and she was saying, some of these students are so entrenched in this, like, scheme of grading that they don't really know how to take feedback that's not numerical. So she'll sit down and have a review with them, you know, a performance review. And, and you know, it, it, the conversation, she has a hard time keeping the conversation on, you know, we're looking for you to engage with the client more in this capacity and build the relationship here and whatever it might be, that sort of qualitative feedback. And they're like, but, but what is my, I mean, did I pass? Did I not pass? Like, what is, what is my number for, you know, my performance review? Like, we're putting students in the workforce who are so obsessed with points, really. I mean, points and scores that we're missing the, the whole human sort of relational collaborative part of the learning experience. And, you know, and of course, that's one anecdote. And that's kind of a, a specific sort of niche 
industry that those that those young graduates are going into. But I just I thought that that was so profound. And to me, the answer is, you know, I, I think, well, this is why we built the mastery book. And, and this is why we need to really change what not what education looks like, because our teachers do a fabulous job and students are learning. But how we give that feedback and how we reward the you know learning and students engaging in learning. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in part of what you're talking about, are you familiar with formative instructional practices? Sure, like formative assessment? Yes, right. So it's giving clear goals, providing effective feedback, giving student ownership of their learning, all of these things. And regularly and in a, like in small chunks and, you know, several times a day. I mean, it, everything doesn't have to build up to a quiz at the end of the week, right? Like we can be learning all along the way. Right, exactly. And I'm thinking too, like currently working with students in middle school and high school where I'm tutoring with them and studying with them and, you know, they're preparing for a quiz or a test and they come back and they say, I got to be minus. And, and they'll say, okay, how do you feel about that? I feel so good. I'm like, great. Yes, I'm proud of you. Now, why wasn't it an A? What did you get wrong? Well, I don't know. You know, and so it's like, well, which questions did you get wrong? I don't know. Okay, well, that's where our learning is going to happen now. We're going to figure out what we need to have mastery of within this content unit. This episode is sponsored by Cats, Prior, and Decuccio. Cats, Prior, and Decuccio are experienced Columbus attorneys focusing in real estate, business, and probate law. Find them and schedule a free consultation at kpdfirm.com. I've had that exact experience where, you know, a student tells me what they got on a test and I say, okay, well, where is it? Let's go over the ones you got wrong. And they can't produce it. The teacher hasn't given it back or they lost it or <laughs> like wherever it's breaking down along the line, somebody doesn't see that learning opportunity and, and sees it. And, and we have to change that. Yes, exactly. So I have two nitty gritty questions about that. One is, so how does your app allow teachers to document evidence of the learning, like whether that's taking pictures of learning samples or how does that piece look, the evidence, the data part? Yeah, so we have the ability to upload assignments. So a teacher can upload, um, let's say, a blank assignment that, that he or she wants to push out to the class. We, you know, in talking to teachers, teachers typically have their own systems for keeping student work, whether it's you know, a Google Drive folder where that becomes a portfolio of the student's work, or maybe they have a physical folder in the classroom, uh, or maybe students hold on to that and do their reflecting on their work and then kind of pass it back in. But we, you know, we're trying to gather data right now about whether we want that, whether teachers want that graded work to be able to be uploaded directly into the app or whether they just need to be able to paste in a link to where, you know, they might find it on the Google Drive, for example. So uploading a link or connecting an assignment or um, a score to a link is something that is under development now that, that we should have pretty soon. I think the long-term vision is for the Mastery Book to be a portfolio of student work. But frankly, in the, in the development of the app, we're looking for schools who really are can, would be committed to that for us to put the development time into building that, right? So if we have a 
you know, a school who's our client and, and has a, an account that, that makes it worth it for us to develop that, we can develop it fairly quickly. But that we haven't had our schools ask for that yet. So we're trying to really prioritize the features that our schools are asking for. Uh, so now I'm putting on my special education hat and wondering how is there a way for you to account for regression? So, for example, we oftentimes would see kids master something and then across time they weren't able to maintain a skill and or across a different setting, for example. Is there a way to go back in and say, okay, in in December 2020, they had it in March 2021, they didn't have it? Yeah, absolutely. So that was really important to us. When you go to the student view, so any student can log in and see their account at any point. And there are alerts that pop up for the students. I'm logged in right now and I'm looking at one. I would share my screen if this weren't, you know, audio only podcast. But this alert for the student says, you know, progress check alert. There are two standards where you have gone down in mastery level by at least one level. And then it'll tell you if you've gone down by two mastery levels. It flags that for you. And we also have graphs that we've developed that show sort of like a bar graph with almost a positive and a negative space, if you can imagine that. The positive is standards that have all standards that have been mastered, and the negative is standards that have been assessed but not yet mastered. And so, you know, there's a bar for each month. And so over time, you can see is the positive space growing or is the negative space growing or are they both growing? And you want to really, that's been a powerful visual for our teachers because it allows a lot of them to actually check their biases. Like, oh, well, Erin, you know, participates and she is well behaved. And I thought she was learning everything. But now that I'm looking at this graph, she is learning some things, but there are an equal number of things that she's still not yet mastered and and both regions are growing. So I really need to provide an intervention for her, Um, that kind of thing. So we, we pride ourselves on those data displays, those alerts, those things that really give that super specific feedback and motivate those students to action. Whoa, and motivate the whole team. Like to me, I'm hearing response intervention or multi-tiered, you know, system of support. Whoa, this is so powerful. Yeah, we're really excited about it. Yeah, I don't have to do standard-based grading right now, but I kind of want to play around with this. (laughs) Well, we'll get you set up. (laughs) We'll get your account set up. Um, I'm using it for my tutoring students this year, and it's really helping to just keep me on track, making sure that I'm looping back. You know, an- another alert that we have that you can set up if you haven't assessed a standard in over a month or over two months or whatever, you know, period of time you want to select, it'll ping you and say, hey, this data looks stale. Do you want to reassess this? So that kind of thing is super important for kids who have to take, you know, map tests three or four times a year and, and those are cumulative and you want to make sure set up to, to not kind of do poorly there just because they haven't seen certain material in a little while. This is so exciting. Make sure to save the day for two fun events in 2021 in partnership with the final third foundation mindful literacy columbus presents 2021 summer writing camp kids entering third to seventh grade will have the opportunity to be a part of this investive writing camp save the date for this week of august 8th email megan at mindfulliteracypractice.org for more information make sure to mention that you heard about this camp from the podcast and enter a drawing to win 50% of the camp tuition. 
first annual Mindful Literacy Columbus Conference for kids and their grown-ups. After this conclusion of the writing camp, we will hold a community celebration. This will include kids showcasing their work, art, music, yoga, food, and high-quality professional presentations for both teachers and parents. Teachers will have the opportunity to learn CEUs. The conference, which will be held on Saturday, August 15, 2021, will serve as a fundraiser for a nonprofit organization. We will also currently accepting presentation proposals from teachers and professionals in the community. Please email Stacey, S-T-A-C-E-Y, at org. To receive more information about the conference and or the submit of a presentation proposal. So then is there an ability to put in, so if you're a special ed teacher, can you customize this to put in for students individualized goals and objectives? Yeah, so you're the second person to request that feature and it is in development. We have a couple other updates that we're trying to push out in, you know, before the end of the year. But that's something that I would love to talk to you more about because in my vision, you would be able to click a student's name and pretty quickly get to their accommodation. So let's say you're administering an assessment and you want to just check real quick, does the student get time and a half? Um, am I supposed to read the questions aloud? You know, you would see all of those accommodations right there in the app. Uh, and that would be super helpful. And then what we do have right now is if you know the accommodations, then for every mastery rating that you input, you can add a comment, a custom comment so you, or a tag. So you can say, yes, you know, Susie mastered fraction addition when the fractions were read aloud to her. So you can add that or um, with extra time or with fewer questions than the rest of the class, you know, three instead of five and, or, you know, with a fidget in her hand. I mean, you, you can type in any comment that you want to help you keep track of what's what's helping these students be successful. And then your colleagues, if, you know, if you have a school account, which kind of allows you to link classrooms and teachers across a school, your colleagues can see those comments too. And they can see what's working and why her mastery might be higher in your class. And then they can potentially implement some of those accommodations to help the student maximize her you know, mastery and, and effectiveness in your classroom as well. My jaw is on the floor because I just think how <laughs> much easier life would be even at, like as an intervention specialist or as a general education teacher, keeping track of kids' accommodation oh, yeah. modifications. I mean, for intervention specialists, you know, all you have to do is make yourself a teacher on all of those classrooms and you can see every kid's mastery data on your caseload, you know, whenever you want. And so what I... And then you sort by standard. So let's say you know they need to work on, you know, I'll use fraction addition as a, an example again. You can see the whole class and you can sort and, and it'll go, you know, sort from lowest to highest mastery. And you can see, okay, these five kids still haven't mastered it. Like that's the small group that I'm pulling today, for example. It's powerful for planning and coordinating across um, teams. I mean, you don't have to send each other. I mean, how many hours have you spent composing emails either to families or to your co-teachers saying how a kid is doing? I mean, now all you have to do is in three clicks, put in that mastery data and, and the teacher will see it next time they log in. Right. And then the intervention specialist can see it and say, OK, this is the direction we're taking our resource time today. Absolutely. 
Okay, so next question is, how would you use this tool for differentiated instruction, whether that's if you have a child who's a grade level or more um, ahead or behind the current grade level, are you able to pan over on the continuum, on either side of the continuum to see gaps or what's coming up next? Yeah, absolutely. So we, as far as we know, we're the only standards-based gradebook on the market that's built with our database, with like the actual standards being the foundation of that, rather than assignments or students or points. So because everything links back to standards, what you can do is if you're, let's say you're, you know, Cassingham Elementary School here in Bexley, Ohio, and you have a third grader who's really excelling, Cassingham is a K through five school. So you've uploaded all the standards, you know, whatever set of standards you use, probably the Ohio State standards, but they don't have to be that. They can be your custom standards if you want, but you've uploaded those for K through five. So when you're working with a gifted third grader, you can be, you know, for a given assignment, you can tag a fourth grade standard or a fifth grade standard if that's what they're working towards, or you can custom input a sixth or seventh grade standard, even if the rest of your school doesn't use those standards. So because everything is highly customizable and, and all the inputs, in other words, all the data in the system is specific to your school, you can really do whatever you need to do with it to provide whatever interventions you need for whatever kids. So like I have third graders where I'm tagging first grade standards because I need to know that they have mastered those before I cycle up to the second grade version of that and then eventually the third grade version. But over the arc of a year, you're not just kind of spinning your wheels trying to figure out, oh, how do I get them to master this third grade one? It might be more efficient to spend a month on the first grade version, a month on the second grade version, and then get to the third grade version of that skill you know, by the third month. And, and then that, that really shows not only that they've mastered a lot of material over time, but that they're moving through that grade band in a really clear way. Yes. I'm just so excited about the potential for this because I'm thinking as an intervention specialist, I would have loved to have had all of this, like a year's worth of data to rewrite the IEP and just, and to very clearly be able to say what the present levels of performance were next to grade level standards, you know, like what this is. And then how intelligent would it be to formulate the goals and objectives based on this data? It would be, it's just like really pushing pushing things forward in such a meaningful way. Thanks. Yeah, that's our hope. I mean, we have my business partner, Amanda Smallwood, she has a master's degree in special education. I mean, she is so knowledgeable. I've worked with kids in special education every year since I started teaching and our, you know, I've also taught gifted kids. So it's, it's sort of like what are what we're trying to do really is simplify the whole scheme, right? By seeing what are the threads of truth and this individualization that we've kind of built in as possible in the mastery book, you know, is, is the thing that simplifies, but also empowers, we think. And so, you know, if you talk to some of our teachers who used our app last year, going into this year with hybrid learning, the first thing they did was get on and look at the student accounts and the student mastery data for the kids that they were kind of inheriting, you know, in their grade level, their new students to see what were they good at last year? What do they need to reinforce? Because I have to be so efficient with my instructional time. I can't, you know, just review fractions for the sake of reviewing it. I need to actually see, do they need that or did they master it? And I can pretty much plow forward. 
And so knowing where your students are coming in saves so much time and effort for teachers. And, you know, our vision is that eventually students K through 12 or even into college will have all of the data from their entire schooling and they can look back at what they were working on in first grade and some of their samples of student work on, let's say, a standard such as effective communication. And then by 12th grade, what does that look like? And isn't that a cool exercise in reflection and and building growth mindset, really? So transferring between schools, I mean, if a kid moves from one state to another, but they're both mastery book schools, that data can transfer as well because it's not based on points or anything subjective. It's truly based on standard mastery. Yeah, this is so exciting. One of the, yeah, I'm thinking too, like just even this best practices and data collection and portfolios, you know, one of, I had the privilege of working in international baccalaureate program. And that was a huge thing was having a a portfolio for kids K through five. And it was a huge celebration by the time they graduated elementary school to be able to go back and look at their work and the common threads well, for the IB program, we're different than the content level standards, but it's still the same idea, right? We're still talking about core areas. So I just think I'm so excited for this program. And if I were teaching in a district right now, I would be like listening to this podcast, Googling mastery portfolio, mastery book, and figuring out how to get this tool in my classroom. Yeah, well, you know, if you have colleagues at Bexley who you think I should connect with, you know, we're always grateful for referrals, connections, digital introductions. You know, for the listeners out there, I can be reached at Constance at MasteryPortfolio.com. And our website is the same, MasteryPortfolio.com. We can click in and find our app, TheMasteryBook.com, and create an account free. And we just are looking to help. You know, eventually we we're, you know, we have plans to build this into a viable, profitable business so that we can continue to provide these services to teachers for perpetuity. But right now we really just need the feedback. So we're happy to work with folks, even on the crazy, you know, pandemic budgets that schools have right now. So you don't want that to be an obstacle. So, you know, my, one of the best parts of my role is um, connecting with teachers, connecting with administrators and really learning what is the progress that you are trying to make in your school or with your students? And how can we support? How can we make your life simpler while also making your teacher teaching practice more powerful and more transparent to students and families? So that's really our mission. So it's so beautiful. You know, and I'm thinking, going back to what you said about most of us who become teachers don't go into it for the love of a subject. We go into it for the love of children, for the love of children. And I think that's so true depending on what area of teaching you go into for me as an intervention specialist license pre-k through 12 you know it's like here I am even today in my practice finding myself teaching yeah 11th grade chemistry but that was my my worst subject in school you know so to have something like this where I could go back and say okay what exactly does this child need to know and I I always bring it back to what I know, which is words and language, which fits in. But then also practically speaking against the standards, it would be just amazing. So I can't wait to go create my account and get off of this podcast. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm, I'm so excited. Thanks for your enthusiasm. We really 
we just want to get the word out there. So we don't think schooling and grading and reporting and all that has to be as hard as it is. We think there's a better, simpler way. So um, we just have to help people find us so we can find ways to, to help everyone else. So um, I really appreciate you giving me the airtime on your podcast. And I'm so excited to hear feedback from listeners and hope that folks will reach out and we can continue the conversation. Of course. Well, thank you so much for your time and thank you for being a risk taker and an inventor and pushing the field of education forward with this amazing app. Thank you, Jessica. Thanks for all you do for your students and your leadership in the education community here in Central Ohio. I mean, this I really commend you for putting this podcast together for your mindful literacy practice business and, and all the good work you're doing for the community as well. So, you know, the first of many future conversations for sure. Yes, we'll have to, I definitely want to have you on another time and talk about your math professional development. So to be continued. To be continued. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Mindful Literacy Podcast. May you be inspired, energized, and share this love with those in your care. We are also grateful to have you as a part of our community. If you are enjoying the content in this podcast, please share this with your friends and colleagues. Subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Please also take a moment to connect with us on Facebook, mindful.literacy.columbus, and on Instagram, mindful.literacy.cbus. We want to hear from you. What topics do you want to uncover next? Who is doing these amazing things on the field of education that we should be talking about in season three? Until next time, may you be happy, healthy, and at peace. Before we wrap things up, we wanted to mention one more way from anywhere in the world that you and your students can get involved with Mindful Literacy Columbus. For just $25 a month, you can become a patron member of Mindful Literacy Columbus. Yes, that's right. For less than the cost of a latte a week, you will become a champion for child literacy. And you will have the opportunity to give directly back to kids in two ways. First, dues enable staff to grant write, fundraise, and build organizational awareness. Second, patron members are invited to contribute monthly to our publishing house, Beehive Press. The books that your students will curate will then be sold to generate even more scholarship money for your students. Beehive Press is an imprint of Mindful Literacy Columbus. Here is what patron members will get for their $25 per month. Submit one book by Kids for Kids for Beehive Press per month. Receive video lesson plans on how to engage kids in the writing process and PDF graphic organizers to help with the pre-writing process. It includes help with book layout, one-to-one -one final editing session, marketing, sales, and logistics of the book. Receive the proof of the book for free includes copyright and ISBN number. Each published book that is sold gives back to MLC. 50% goes to scholarships, 50% goes to the authors. To become a patron member, go to 
mindfulliteracypractice.org slash donate.